0: If you have your bibles please turn to James chapter 5 I will read the chapter thereafter we shall consider chapter we shall consider verse 12 Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that Whoever brings back a sinner from from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let us ask the Lord for help once more. Father, we pray this morning that you may help us, that you may put the fear of this sin which we are about to consider in our heart. We pray that you may bind our conscience with your word and enable us to not merely be hear of it, but also be do of it. Strengthen your people to hear your word and enable me to be faithful, Lord, to your word. We pray for much grace. Send your spirit to convict those who do not know Christ of their sinfulness, of their unrighteousness, of their transgressions, cause them to flee to Christ and find rest in Him. Do help us, Lord, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God pays attention to what we say and He has a standard of obedience that He holds us accountable to. And one of the evidences that you're truly saved is that you pay attention to what you say and you hold yourself accountable to what you say that is the essence of what you are going to learn this morning in James chapter 5 verse 12 James is writing to persecuted Christians and he says in verse 12 but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. What is the sin that James is talking about here? This verse is often misunderstood, but let's begin with what it doesn't mean. This verse does not forbid us from taking an oath we know that it doesn't say oath taking is unbiblical this verse is talking about a specific sin the Bible is filled with people taking oaths and in fact godly people taking oaths we see Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 21 verse 29 There's an encounter with him with Abimelech and the Bible says from verse 27 So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me. That I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Fickle, the commander of his army, rose and returned to the land of the Philistines. So we see Abraham taking an oath. In the Old Testament law, God made a provision for swearing an oath. In fact, God prescribes in Exodus chapter 22, verse 10 to 12, Exodus 22, verse 10 to 12, I read, If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property the owner shall accept the oath and he shall not make restitution so god laid down provision for someone to swear an oath in addition to that we see in the new testament paul the apostle swearing an oath on more than one occasion in galatians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20 he says but when he who had, sorry but when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days but I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother in what I am writing to you before God I do not lie He says at the end there in verse 20 that I assure I assure you what God sorry I assure you before God that I'm not lying what he's saying is he's calling God to witness what he's saying. He's taking an oath before God and saying that what I'm writing is true. So, Abraham swore an oath. God made a provision for oath swearing in the Old Testament. Paul the Apostle swore an oath. God himself swore an oath. In Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 4, he says, that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying listen to my voice and do all that I command you so so shall you be my people and I will be your God verse 5 that I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at this day then I answered so be it Lord so God swore an oath to the forefathers of israel telling them that he will give them a land flowing with milk and honey god again swears an oath we see in hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 he says for when god made a promise to abraham since he has since he had no one greater by whom to swear he swore by himself saying surely i will bless you and multiply you and thus abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Verse 18, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us so James inspired by the spirit of God writes that all swearing as we've seen from scripture is not sin Abraham swore swore an oath God made a provision for the oath Paul the apostle swore an oath God himself swore an oath and so when someone takes a witness stand in the court, he'll, he'll take an oath. When two people are getting married, they will exchange marriage vows, which is a form of swearing an oath. When someone takes public office, he will swear an oath. When someone is being recognized for the work of ministry, he will swear an oath. So you say, What is this verse then talking about? What is forbidden? If you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, to see what the Jews were doing. The letter is written to Jewish Christians. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. make one hair white or black let what you say be simply yes or no anything more than this comes from evil our Lord is dealing with some problems there are people the Jews they are swearing by heaven they are swearing by earth they are swearing by Jerusalem they are swearing by their own head and Jesus is telling them you do not have control of any of these things all these things they are swearing on are under the control of God. And so in Matthew chapter 23, verse 16, you can turn there. Matthew 23, verse 16. He says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that is made, that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So, whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it and whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it listen to what was going on here there is an appropriate way to take an oath an oath should be taken in the name of the lord but the jews had concorded a way to use an oath to deceive others so that if i swear by earth what i'm swearing could not be serious so that it will not bind me and so jesus is condemning them for taking their oath lightly for taking their oath without proper respect And seriousness and so the oath was spoken deceptively instead of an oath being an act of worship. An oath ought to be an acknowledgement that we live under the authority of an Almighty God and an all-knowing God, a God who possesses all authority, a God who is able to bring judgment upon wrongdoers so that with great reverence of submission to the knowledge and judgment and authority of our holy God, men and women can call to God to witness the truthfulness, the legitimacy of what they are entering into. So with great consciousness, with great fear and trembling, we call upon God to witness the truthfulness, the legitimacy of something that we are entering into that is the legitimate way of oath-taking what had happened to the Jews and what James is addressing that had made its way into the church is that the Jews had concorded an elaborate system of oath-taking they were bound when they swore to certain things and they say that they were not bound by certain things so if you if you swear by the temple it was nothing So they had a system in which truth depended on what you saw, And so James is dealing here with specific abuse towards oath-taking. And these people were using oath-taking as a means of deception. They were excusing their lie as a means of oath-taking. So brethren, God's name ought to be held in reverence so that whenever his name is invoked, it should be done with the proper reason. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 7, the Bible says, You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You will not be held guiltless by God. And so they swore to the temple, they swore on Jerusalem, and used that to deceive other people. And so they were making honesty, necessary only at certain times so if i swear by this i will have to be honest if i swear by that i do not have to be absolutely honest it's as if they were saying you can be honest at certain times and you can be less than honest at other times and so they were using this system as a purpose of deception and taking advantage of other people. I don't know whether you remember when you were a kid and you spoke to your friend and often they will have their hands behind their back or in their pockets and they'll have their fingers crossed so that they will lie to you or even they will make a promise to you. And then they will say, I'm not bound to fulfill my promise. Why? Because my my fingers were crossed. And in verse 12, that is the same case that was happening. Verse 12 says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It begins with the phrase, but above all some will translate and say James is changing gear and the word but can be translated and said and and so he's not making any contrast with anything but he's making a point and so there's an important emphasis here that he doesn't want us to miss and he says above all he's calling us to integrity in speech is calling us to something that we should be really careful about and that is the topic this morning integrity in speech so you ask what does it mean to have integrity in speech I'll divide the, the verse into three parts the first part but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. That is the first part. And then, secondly, the second part, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then the last part, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Integrity in speech. The first point, believers should always tell the truth. That is the first part. Believers should always tell the truth. And then secondly believers should always keep their word believers should always keep their word and then thirdly believers telling the truth believers keeping their word will lead to the third point integrity in speech is a mark of true christianity integrity in speech is a mark of true christianity so the first point believers should always Tell the truth from the onset. Here, James is very clear that this sin is often underestimated, and that's why he elevates this concern by saying, But above all, and he's saying, Don't take this thing lightly. James has spoken about a number of things in this chapter, but he comes to verse 12 and he says, Above all, above all, on the issue of oath taking. And he says, you have to get this thing right. Why does James highlight this concern? It's because he knows of human nature. This is an impassioned plea. And James is writing to these Jewish Christians. And he's saying, you are intentionally lying to other people by making long elaborate oaths Let's keep the name of Jehovah. Sadly, for most people, they do not take their commitments very seriously. They take lightly their vows that they have made. It could be marriage vows, it could be your vows to your friend, to your employer. People take lightly their vows to the point that they put asunder what God has joined together. What God has expressly said no man should do it. What God has said in Malachi that he hates. People take a decision and they do something contrary to God's command. The Jews frequently spoke in oaths. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 12 it says we shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God I am the Lord and so if you take an oath the Bible is saying it better be on the name of God but not in the name of other false gods in Numbers chapter 30 verse 2 Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel saying this is what the Lord has commanded If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If you take an oath and you call upon the name of the Lord, you better do what you're supposed to do. Christians should always tell the truth. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25 says, It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy and to reflect only after making vows it is better for you not to rush into making vows than making vows quickly and this is an underestimated scene and james is dealing with this scene head on he says above all this is he says above all and he says my brothers uh, this is a compassionate word. He doesn't cut us the slack. He goes on to be compassionate. And he says, one of us can fall into these kinds of sin. This is a sin that pays no attention to our words. You're making commitments. You're making vows and oaths. And you're taking it very lightly. And this is a common thing. And people use it to excuse themselves. The Jews had used the oaths to make lying to be permissible. Because they will swear by something less by than God. But Jesus commanded them that whatever they were swearing under was under the control of God. And so lying is not permissible. So when we lie, we are acknowledging the depravity of man. We are acknowledging the wickedness of man. James is recognizing that all of us are basically liars. All of us are born liars. We are in a political season and most of us will not believe what politicians will say. We will not think that they are honest. We are resigned to the fact that politicians are liars. And so, in the scripture, because of man's depravity, oath taking is put in place to curb the depravity of man. Oath taking is there to bring someone accountable. So, do not swear. He says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear. And James is not talking here about cursing. Even though cursing is a sin. James is talking about taking an oath. A kind of oath that is frequently taken to establish what they mean. What they say. Sorry, they mean, that they mean what they say. And they say what they mean. We have a tragic story in Matthew chapter 14, verse 6, about Herod's daughter. We're told that she danced in the company and she pleased Herod. And so Herod was pleased, and Herod took an oath and promised her that he would give her everything, even half of his kingdom. And so the daughter is prompted by her mother and the mother tells her to go and ask for the head of John the Baptist. They told in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 14 that the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. And so John the Baptist is beheaded in the prison and his head is brought on the platter and is given to the girl and so the disciples in verse 12 took the body and buried it although the king was very sorry of his oath he could not go back on his word he could not go back on his solemn promise he did not want to lose his face in front of other people So people take oaths as a proof that what they are saying is true. People are taking oaths to say that I invite God to punish me if I, say, if I do not keep my word. In the Old Testament, we have the story of two spies. They went to the city of Jericho and they are hidden by Rahab. And Rahab says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Rehab said to them, I want an oath. I want an oath in which you will save me and my family. So there's not wrong in taking an oath. The problem that we see is taking an oath and using it to deceive others. So the jews we see in the new testament used this command loosely and they reinterpreted the laws of moses and so so the jews will swear falsely as long as they will not swear in the name of god and so they perfected in the art of lying So Jesus points out their false hypocrisy, their false religion. Jesus says, regardless of what you use to say an oath, you are bound by it. And so Christians should always tell the truth. The art of verbal deception is not something that we should practice. It should be people that simply tell the truth, never shedding words. Uh, Secondly, believers should always keep their word. The second part says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. And then, believers should always keep their word. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. So, this sin has a cure, as you can see there. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, the, tr- the cure is, you tell the truth all the time. If you say yes, it better be yes. If you say no, it better be no. And really, if you can remember growing up, you'll use words to trump up your speech, to make people believe you. You, 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 you had to add something to your words to make people to believe you. Meaning, you are not trustworthy and you didn't even trust yourself. What you are commanded here is, brethren, we should keep our word. If we say yes to something, we should keep it. If you say no we, should, no, we should keep our word. You see, these people were failing to recognize the nature of God and their own nature. These people are failing to see that God is a God of truth. They are failing to recognize that they are born as sinners. They are born as liars. You don't get to five years then you move from innocence to liar. You're born a liar. It's only through the grace of God through salvation can God work that in your heart? And so when they swear by heaven, they are swearing by the throne of God. Jesus is telling them that. When they swear by earth, they are swearing by the footstool of God. And they are swearing by the city of Jerusalem, they are swearing by the city of the great king. So no matter what you swear, you are swearing everything that is under the authority of God, even your head. You're not able to make your hair black or white. You're swearing under everything that is under the authority of God. So these people misunderstood the nature of God. Because they cannot make one hair of their head to be white. You cannot control anything. God controls everything. So whatever you're swearing about, you're bringing God into the picture. And this is the nature of sin. So we should never be guilty of deception we should not use our oaths as an excuse for dishonesty we should never think that god is not witnessing what you're saying we should always tell the truth we should always keep our word so if you're a person who habitually tells lies Why do you frequently do that? Why do you always need to say an oath all the time? It's because you're not believable. People will not easily accept what you say and this should not be necessary for Christians to make an oath about everything. People should be able to assume that when you say yes, you mean yes. There'll be no need for you to take an oath. So let your yes be yes, as Jesus says, and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Every time I say yes, it is yes and the case is closed. Every time I say no, it is no and the case is closed. That's the kind of integrity that God wants his children to. To have you should have integrity in our marriage vows when two people stand before a group of witnesses and the pastor is there and they say that they promise to love their spouse in sickness and in health in poverty and in riches until death do them part That is a vow. That is an oath they are taking. And whom are they taking that oath before? It is God. They are making an oath before God in heaven. And so, whether it's big things like marriage, or whether it could seem like a small thing, even to your child, that you vow to them that you're going to take them out, You're going to walk with them. You're going to play with them. Our yes should be yes, and our no should be no. When we constituted the church here, we took our vows to show our commitment to God and to one another. We vowed to submit to God's word as taught from scripture. And this is what we read. We believe that it is our duty to encourage and admonish each other in all humility and not allow sin to be indulged without reproof. We must be sensitive to each other's needs so that we may help and pray for each other and so cultivate a spirit of oneness between us. In order to meet these objectives, we promise to meet together for worship on the Lord's Day and as often as we can at other times, especially for Bible study, prayer, Christian fellowship and observing the sacraments. We made a vow before God. And so your yes should be yes, and your no should be no. No one should have doubts of what you say. And so believers should always tell the truth. Believers should always keep their word. Why? That comes to the third point. Because integrity in speech Is a mark of true Christianity why should we tell the truth why should we keep our word because by doing so it is identifying us as true Christians so look at the last phrase there in verse 12 so that you may not fall under condemnation So the word there condemnation it's not talking about chastisement or discipline in the sense of a Christian the word there is talking about condemnation in fact judgment upon non-believers the same word is used in chapter 12 verse 12 to 13 if you turn there chapter 12, sorry, chapter 2 verse 12 to 13 so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment the idea there is if you're not if you're a believer and you're not merciful to others it's because you have received no mercy You can claim to be a believer all day you want but if you don't show others mercy it's because you have not been shown mercy by Christ because faith without works is dead true faith always results in works so James is saying if you're a kind of person who lies and give false thoughts you're testifying something horrible about yourself you're testifying the absence of genuine faith. and This is not talking about the condemnation, sorry, the judgment of believers. This is talking about the condemnation of non-believers. If your life is marked by a pattern of deception, you're giving evidence that you're not saved at all. Can a Christian lie? Yes. But, if the lying is a pattern, is habitual, it's a character in their life, if the lying does not grieve your soul, if you do not repent of it, if you don't see there is a problem with you, you're giving evidence that you are headed for the condemnation of God. You're testifying of your identity testifying that you've been born a liar and you've not been born again Psalm 58 verse 3 says the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray from birth speaking lies Psalm 58 verse 3 that testifies of your family identity that you are of your father the devil as Jesus says in John chapter 8, he is a liar from the beginning. So all of us are born liars. We are not truth tellers, but liars. We are born as children of Satan. We are not born as children of God. And so, the Bible makes it very clear that all liars will go to hell. Revelation chapter 21 verse 7 to to 8 In the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, which is the second death. So, if 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 in your life your character is marked by untruthfulness, the Bible makes it very clear that maybe there is no change in you. Maybe you are not a Christian, and lying here is a serious sin. The extent that John does does not simply say unbelievers will be in hell he pounds out their sin so the person who habitually lies testifies that he doesn't know Christ testifies that there has been no change there is no change in family you have not been born again into the family of God Satan is still your father Brethren, God is a God of truth. Truth is part of God's heart. God couldn't tell a lie. It is impossible for him to lie. Tertia says in chapter, one verse, sorry, in chapter 1 verse 2 that God never lies. He cannot lie. He not only cannot lie but he hates lies. Remember in Proverbs chapter six verse sixteen, there are six things that the Lord that the Lord hates; seven that are an abomination to Him. The first thing is haughty eyes, that is pride. And then secondly, a lying tongue. So every time I tell a lie, I'm testifying that I'm a stranger to the grace of Jesus Christ that I have not been born again. that is why lying is a horrible sin lying makes it men in their depravity make lying a common sin so every oath is taken in the world today is an acknowledgement that man is born in adam man is born a liar and he needs to be checked Can you imagine and consider all the lies that goes on in this world? Parents lying to their children. Children lying to their parents. Employees lying to their employers. Employers lying to their employees. The government lying to its citizens. The citizens lying to the government. Countries lying to each other. So lying cannot be excused. It cannot be excused. And so we are not pushing here a kind of morality or a kind of character training that you should not lie. What we are talking about here is a character, (coughs) sorry, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. We should be able to explain that when we lie, we are denying the very character of God. We are testifying that we do not know God. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are a chosen, you are God's people Once you had not received mercy But now you have received mercy Why has God saved you? God has saved you from that verse So that you may proclaim His excellency God is not primarily saving people for themselves God is saving people for His glory God did not save you because you are worthy because you are wonderful because life revolves around you God saved you to show you to enable you to show people who God is like He is a God of truth so when people say yes they should mean yes when people say no they should mean no And when people see you as a Christian keeping your word, they know that you're a person with integrity in speech. And you're able to tell them that you've not always been that way. There's a God in heaven who changed my heart, who saved me. So when you, when you walk with your friends, your children, your parents, your siblings, You want to show them integrity in speech because that is the reason why God saved you for you to proclaim his character his excellencies so let me close with four questions first question do I realize that God pays attention to what I'm saying do I realize that God holds me accountable to the standard of obedience. Then secondly, do I pay attention to what I say? Do I hold myself accountable to the standard of God? So the first question, do you know that God pays attention? The second question, do you pay attention? To what you say? Do you tell the truth because you're afraid to be caught? Do you tell the truth even if it will cost you financially? And then thirdly, have you taken your oaths and vows lightly? Is there a place, is there an area in your life where you are violated? God's vow do you keep God's word in your life in the big things in the small things and then lastly will you obey this command and stop taking inappropriate oath when you take this verse seriously brethren we will enter into agreement cautiously instead of jumping into it and going back on your word we will be much slower in making promises and making vows so may the lord help us if really we have sinned against one another and we fail to keep our word we need to keep things right and ask for forgiveness God's character is above reproach. God sees everything. He knows everything. And He will hold us accountable one day. So may the Lord make this sin very clear in your understanding. May He enable you to meet His standard of obedience. May He enable you to repent. Let us pray. Father, we pray that You may help us for we are born liars we are born of our father the devil and unless a supernatural work happens in our heart we are still under his dominion and control we pray father that you may save those who do not know you convert their heart change them lord save them by your grace for your people, Lord. Help them not to take this sin lightly. Help them, Lord, to obey you. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have taken our our vows lightly and we've deceived people and taken advantage of people. We pray that you may cleanse us of every unrighteousness. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.